A diagnosis of cancer can leave you feeling confused, scared, angry, unsure where to go, and more. Words cannot even describe it. Our guest today is Becky Franks. Becky works for the Cancer Support Community of Montana. This can provide local help, guidance, insights, and so much more. You don't want to miss this episode. And she said, you know, it's interesting how cancer is changing. And if you live in Montana, it's the fly or die state. Ooh. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and I was like, what? Well, not anymore, my friends, because um, and a lot because of the state coalition. The state coalition is so many dedicated people who come together and think about how do we improve cancer care? Where are the gaps? In this state where there's such few population centers, how do we bring specialties to different parts of the state and then support each other in that to make sure we don't have to go to Washington, we don't have to go to Denver, we don't have to go to Minnesota to get our cancer care. We can get our cancer care right here at home. And from my perspective with the psychosocial care and the mental health of people with cancer, when you can get your treatment at home, you do better. When you've got your dog by your bed, your family around you, you can still go to work. You can still go out in your yard and pick your flowers. You do better. Absolutely. And what people don't understand is that the cancer experience is really long. This is not a shoulder surgery. You're in this for the long haul. So all these volunteers got together and made the Montana Cancer Coalition and have has made wonderful gains since its inception. I think we're now into our third strategic plan. It's every five years. And, um, and we're making gains to improve the care all the way across. So there's seven um, main cancer centers across Montana. And then we're, you know, there's a lot of infusion centers that help people get their treatment in their community. Um, and, and there are also services for psychosocial support. So how do you find them? And one of the ways that we did that is we made a map. So it's an interactive map um, that has all these fancy names that I'm not going to remember. And uh, you can find it on the state coalitions, the Montana Cancer Coalition. So if you just query that in your Google, you'll be able to find the, the website and then go to the resource maps. And that's one of the sources that we use here at Cancer Support Community. When someone calls and they live in Shelby or they live in, in Plentywood or whatever, wherever they live in Montana, What's available to them there? You can go on the map and you just hover over it. And then you can see a lot of services that are available. It's not 100% because that's really hard to get 100%, but it's darn close. That's nice, definitely. And then Becky, I'm wondering, um, I know a lot of times there's a bell that people ring when they're considered cancer-free after they've gone through those years and and months. But I could see where that would be really... um, very weighing. You'd be carrying a big, I don't know, I imagine it like a backpack. Like I'm a cancer survivor, but oh my gosh, I can't put this thing down because is it going to come back? Is it going to come back worse? Is it going to come back and we don't catch it too soon? Um, How do you go back to just, or do you go back to living a normal life? Can you talk about that? How you guys might be able to help? Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because what we find is that is probably the loneliest moment of the whole trajectory. 
Remember when I said that when you first get diagnosed with cancer, everyone's got brownies at your door? When you ring the bell, it's it's after months of treatment, maybe years of treatment. Okay. By that time, your family is over it, right? Your friends are over it. And when you ring the bell, it almost signifies that you're going to go back to normal. You know, what time's dinner? You come back to work? Mm-hmm. Right? All done. Move on. Yeah, I'm ready to move on. And when my mom uh, rang the bell, I was totally ready to move on. Like, boy, oh boy, that was just, I'm wringing my hands on that, right? I'm done. I, I That was uncomfortable. I don't want to do that anymore as a caregiver, right? Of course, I know better now. So what, what does it really mean? Um, we talk about a new normal. And that's a lot what Mending in the Mountains is. And a lot of our programs is about how do you find your new normal? What does that mean? What does that look like? And it's really important that people are able to get their survivorship services. And that's one of the uh, key components of the state coalition is we've got a, a group of dedicated people looking at how do we find quality of life in survivorship? How do we help people ring the bell and thrive? How do we help them heal emotionally? And physically, when we were talking about phys- uh, physical activity and exercise, um, one of the things that almost everybody is wrapped with is just a deep, deep fatigue. You know, I'm not a cancer survivor. So when I think of fatigue, I think of the most tired I've ever been times 10. We're talking can't peel yourself off the sofa fatigue. Right. But yet you're kind of walking around. You got to figure it out. You got chemo brain. You've got fatigue. How do you get rid of that? You can wait or you can be active in your recovery and engage and start thinking about healthy nutrition and and exercise and going out and doing things in the world and assessing your life and reassessing your life. We have many cancer survivors at that moment in time. And once they understand life is a little short. You know, um, it, it's a short for all of us, remember? But once they understand that, I've never liked this job. I need a new one. I've never liked you. I'm getting a new friend. <laughs> I'm getting a new life. I've always wanted to move to England. I'm moving. It's a new normal. One of the joys of working at Cancer Support Community is that ability to want to jump in and love life is brought to me every single day. And because cancer survivors don't mess around. They are living life. They're enjoying the blue skies. They're taking work off to go hike. And that kind of fresh energy is a gift to be around. Yeah, that's fantastic. That That's a dose that I think we could all use in all honesty. I mean. It's opposite what people think. You know, when they think, well, I don't want to go to cancer support community. That's going to be depressing. All these depressing people, you know, complete opposite, complete opposite. This is people who understand you. And and help you jump into loving life. It really is. Because like I said, cancer survivors don't mess around. They don't have the time. Now they might have the time. Most do have the time. Most will die of old age, right? But they understand that no one's getting out of here alive. And most of us don't. Most of us take that for granted. Absolutely. Very eye-opening and so much more to it than what you know, those of us walking around in our average everyday routine don't even consider, don't even think about. And 
Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, I know a few people in their 40s diagnosed with cancer in this last year. I think I need to send them an email after this and <laughs> see if they even, you know, have, did you go to Mending in the Mountains yet? We actually have a program. It's called Cancer Transitions. And it's a really important program because, again, you know, when people ring that bell, many, many people will just muddle around and not feel quite right. Just don't feel quite right. I thought I'd be back to my life. Um, I don't know how to find my new normal. I don't even know what a new normal is. Am I crazy? Because I'm not feeling normal? What's this? I can't keep track of my thoughts. Am I crazy? It's like, no, that's chemo brain. I've got all these side effects, but I'm grateful to be alive. So I'm not going to mention them to my doctor, right? So cancer transitions, the sooner you can get into that program, the better it is. It's four sessions. And it really literally walks you through medical management, understanding all the side effects and which ones we can make, we can help you manage. There's a lot of ways to manage the side effects. We don't have to deal with them anymore, right? Um, how do you start exercising? What nutrition is important? Um, how, do, how do you manage these feelings of, of not necessarily like you fit in? You know, how do you figure out what this no, new normal means? That sets you on a whole trajectory of healing and thriving and doing great. So you can muddle along and wait for years and just hope you get better. Or you can jump into Cancer Transitions, which is offered every two months here, virtually and in person. And you can get better super fast and start to thrive. And it's free of charge. So how do you find it? Just on our website. You can pick up the phone, give us a call. All the phone numbers, everything's right there. Cancer, cancersupportmontana.org. Um, because most of those things, you know, I see people live with side effects that just, it's just so painful. It's like, why have you been living with that for two years? We could have addressed it and it could be gone by now. There's a definite choice there. Two paths. I'm, I'm either going to survive and thrive or I'm going to continue on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't make up many words, but there's one I, I do make up. It's called the grateful patient syndrome. That's a Becky Franks invented thing. So just for the record, it really is where you get done with cancer treatment and you're so grateful that you're still there and that your hair came back that you're not going to talk about the pain that you have in your shoulder. You're not going to talk about the sexual health issues that you're experiencing. You're not going to talk about the chemo brain that you're experiencing. You're not going to talk about the sadness that you're experiencing. Every single one of those things that I just mentioned can get better if you just say something. And it's not even that hard to get better. Mm -hmm. And I can go on the state coalition map and help you find those services anywhere you live. So there you go. Shabam. Fantastic. Oh, an example just from my own personal life. I had a, a colleague whose son faced cancer for many years. And he, you know, rang the bell as cancer free. And it was actually the mother, my my colleague, that he would get a cold and get some inflamed lymph nodes. And she wouldn't sleep for days out of fear. It's back. It's back. They'd get him in, biopsy those lymph nodes. Oh, it's just a reaction. Or, oh, it's because he cut his thumb here and it was an infection. You know, is there support for, you know, the caretakers out there? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we address a lot is, how do you manage that con constant anxiety of fear of recurrence? 
for both the, the caregiver. And we, I mean, you'll see it on our website, friends and family, because caregiver gets that term gets to be confusing. But for the friends and family and the patient, I mean, that fear of recurrence, you know, there's there's this term that's really weird. It's called scanxiety. Two things that are interesting. One is when people have had cancer, you'd think that they would be getting their mammogram like every month <laughs> or wanting to get their mammogram every month, right? Just to see, oh my gosh, is it back? Because it's so, um, you're so afraid that's going to come back and what are you going to do, right? First of all, how do you manage that anxiety? You know, the last time you got a scan, it really sucked. It was horrible, right? Because you got diagnosed with cancer. So don't want to do that again. And so it's so frightening that many, many cancer survivors don't get screenings. They don't now go get a colonoscopy and they don't go to the, the dermatologist and get their skin scans anymore because they're almost afraid to get into that place. Not all, but you know, some some cancer survivors, they're, they're like in, they're all in, they're getting all their scans all the time. But for, for many, many, they don't get any scans, which is a mistake. We have had that anxiety of reoccurrence. You're not alone. You're not the only one. And so... How do you manage it? Just like you manage everything else, you learn ways to deal with it. And that's where being with other cancer survivors um, and learning how they manage it and really looking at how do you stay mindful in that time and and help manage the situation uh, through information and through breathing and through um, being able to reach up and call somebody. Remember what I told you is that community is stronger than cancer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned this scanxiety. My my career prior to this one, I did ultrasound for, well, I'm almost oh. 20 years into it now. And we would do that. You know, you've lost your other kidney to cancer and we're scanning it a day to see if we see a mass. We're doing your yearly screening. I, we would even see it with um, miscarriages or pregnancy loss where people would come in and they'd literally be like, can we do this in the other exam room? Because this is the room that it happened in. This is the room where that tumor was found, or this was the room where I found out my 35 week baby didn't have a heartbeat anymore. I can't even walk through those doors, you know? And I, I would see a lot of good coping. I'd see neighbors. Yeah. My neighbor drove me. He told me it was time. Yeah. He he's making me come to this appointment or people having holding hands while you do the exam to just help them, them get through that. And it is, it is invisible, but massively massively there out in the out in the world and so that's uh i like your term scanxiety <laughs> it's perfect and i didn't make that one up but, um <laughs> and, and you know it's interesting it's why cancer support community is not at the hospital and it's why cancer support community is so important many of our cancer centers in montana and across the country have um tried hard to um hold supportive programs at the at their cancer center support groups maybe yoga um, education works better but for many cancer survivors um, like you just said as wonderful as our cancer centers are in montana and they are fantastic everyone i want you to hear that um and they're warm and they're welcoming and you know i've never heard people rave about another set of people except oncology nurses Oncology nurses are going straight to heaven, I swear. They are the nicest, kindest, wonderful people. But that's where people get their treatment. And they don't want to go back. So a cancer center puts on all kinds of energy 
and money to develop all these programs, but and then nobody shows up. And they're like, what happened? Why didn't that happen? Well, people don't want to go back to the hospital. They want to go and into a place that's warm, welcoming, home-like with people who understand and find their health and healing and well-being and healthy lifestyle stuff, right? Their way forward. And, and, and they'll go back to the hospital for all their scans and to see the doctor who's so reassuring to them and the nurses and everybody who cared for them so well. But for support, they want to go somewhere else. You guys do the medical. We'll do the psychosocial. And together, we're going to be the best care for people in Montana. This is not the fly or die state. This is where you can thrive state in Montana. Yeah. Very awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. That's something too, that even our, our healthcare systems could think about, you know, you have these wonderful programs, just move them out of the hospital, take them down to the library, take them to the senior center, whatever community building you've got nearby. And also the ability to partner with Cancer Support Community Montana. You know, this is what we do really well. Um, and I, I mentioned that we're a national organization and yet the closest one to the South is Phoenix, Arizona. Closest wow. to the East is Minneapolis. And the closest to the West is either San Francisco or Tokyo, depending on how you draw the line. Oh, because these two women had a, had a vision and a dream and said, we don't want to be alone during this cancer experience. And um, so our national organization has a research and training institute and has since 1982. So everything we do, we do really well. We, we understand the research behind the experience of cancer, behind the psychological effects of cancer. We understand the distress. We have distress screening to help people identify issues instead of living with them and being a grateful patient. Instead, saying, hey, I've got something going on and I need to figure out how to manage it. So everything we do is very specific to make sure that people who engage in our programs improve their quality of life. At the time of diagnosis and through the cancer experience into survivorship and into end of life, when there are opportunities to um, be in control of how you die. I was just going to ask if you guys, you know, if it doesn't take the the path of surviving, if it does need to do like hospice and quality end of life care, are you guys able to help connect people, connect families? Absolutely. Do you remember when I said that um, when people have cancer, everyone's cheering you on? You can mm-hmm. do it. You're going to fight this. You're going to beat this. Um, sometimes you're not. Right. And no one in your family wants to talk about that. Right. And so we're the people who openly talk about death and dying. And we're not throwing pity at it, but we can talk about how are you feeling about that? What are your wishes? Let's get an advanced directive. Let's fill fill out the five wishes form so that you can have choice around how you die. You can, do, you want, do you want to die at home? Do you want to die at the, at the hospital? Do you want to um, uh, do every possible thing or do you want to peace out? Do you want to be on a ventilator and die on a ventilator in the hospital or do you not? What do you want to tell your kids and your family before you die? What do you want to do before you die? It is one of the gifts of cancer most of the time is that you have some leeway 
before you die. When you die of a heart attack, you're fine now and now you're not. And you have no ch chance to even call your wife and say, honey, I love you, right? But with cancer, if you're willing to take the gift, there's a lot of gifts. And um, there's a book called Final Gifts. Um, and, um, and also the other one that we enjoy sharing is Being Mortal. Being Mortal is an incredible book that really talks about end of life. And, and at Cancer Support Community, it's one place you can call up and, and we can say, have you thought about dying? What's that feel like? What are you afraid of? What are you concerned about? Because if you're a cancer survivor and you look at your loved one in the face and say, I'm afraid to die, which most cancer survivors are, they're going to start crying and you're going to stop talking. But I can sit with that burden. Our staff can sit with that mm -hmm. and just sit by your side and be with it. You don't have to stop talking. You can cry a little bit. That's okay. And it's, it's all fine. We can, we can hold that space. But there are a lot of gifts to be had mm -hmm. if you're willing to take that time. That's fantastic. And I think you I think you definitely hit on something. You know, the doc says, well, the CT scan shows it's everywhere. And every single person in your life is saying, you're going to fight this chemo, radiation. We're going to Texas. We're going here or there. You're fighting it. And you're sitting there feeling, no, I can't. You're already dealing with a lot. You are already dealing with the biggest load of baggage probably anybody could. And now you have to turn and go against your support. And so who do I even talk to about this? Yeah. And so that's, that's fantastic because I could see where a lot of people would feel like they just don't have that option to talk. I want to just talk about this objectively with somebody, how I've been feeling. I've been feeling like crap for months. I feel sick. I feel a lot of pain already. That's what got me to the doctor for this diagnosis. Um, so that's, that's really, really cool, Becky. And you're, you're absolutely right. I've always, I've always said that, that at least for the most part with cancer, you get to say goodbye, which is beautiful, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And also it's a time to say, what do you need to do before you die? And, you know, some, some things I've heard is I need to get married to the man I'm, I'm loving right now. Or um, another, another woman, um, her daughter said, I need to hear wolves howl. And so she wrapped her adult daughter up in her wheelchair and brought her to a, a, a wolf center. And they stayed overnight and woke up in the morning and listened to the wolves howl and then brought her back home and tucked her in bed. And she died peacefully. But she did what she wanted to do before she died because someone asked her. Hmm. So it's goosebumps. Sometimes wow. it's not that profound. Sometimes yeah. it's just listening to a wolf howl. That's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so there's choice. And that's the thing, you know, cancer support community is an empowerment model. So you have cancer and you have choice. You can choose how you manage it. You can choose your treatment. You can choose how you die. You can choose who you talk to. You can choose how you manage it. We empower you to do that. We're not going to tell you what to do. We don't know what you need. Right. But we help people have choice. There's no pity around here. And when people understand that they have some choice around um, the, the dying process, um, it changes the whole trajectory. I can see that. Yeah. And that support, that's huge. So if you, if people, if anybody listening has a 
neighbor, a friend, a loved one, a family member, anybody, you know, to be pick up the the phone or a text or send a Facebook message or something. Hey, check out this place. And uh, remember that even if you live in a very small town, if you live in Plains, Montana, um, services are available to you and um, everything is free of charge. And uh, we also know how to use the mail. So if you need a wig, we can mail you one. We serve Montana, the entire state. So please reach out. And if you want to be a part of the state coalition, we need all kinds of people to be a part of that. Um, We have changed the trajectory of cancer care in Montana already, and we will continue to do that. We also um, partner with our, our, our American Indian friends who are part of MAWAC. And so um, we work collectively and side by side. And um, so there's a lot of opportunity to give back, to be a part of the solution. Um, And if you want to find out more about that, uh, uh, reach out to the Montana Cancer Coalition on your search and you'll find that as well, as well as the maps. On behalf of myself, and the team that helps to put this podcast together, we want to thank Becky for stopping by and sharing everything she did with these two episodes. It was incredibly insightful and informative. If you would like more information on Cancer Support Community Montana, visit our website at talkinghealthin.the406.mt.gov. And if you haven't already, if you could click that subscribe button wherever you download podcasts. Join us again for our next episode, where we'll be back with a new series and a new guest. Until next time, Take care.